Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. This young lady I'm going to bring up is, man, she's like family. And you know, that's the other thing I do before that. I want to thank all the mothers that mothered people that weren't your biological children, adoptive parents. Oh man, anybody that just stepped in, spiritual parents. It is important to be mothered. And first of all, as a mother of three boys, I have plenty of spiritual daughters, but I'd like to just give a shout out to my one I'm so proud of you, Jacinda, for your baptism today. Let's give it up for her. She is just doing that thing. And I encourage you, keep going. She is on a track that she just won't stop. And I'm loving watching what God is doing in your life. That is the greatest gift a mom could have, is to watch her child catch hold to Jesus. I mean, there is nothing like that to know that they can praise and worship and follow him and see him for themselves. That is the greatest gift. But back to Michonne, the one who's coming up here. She and I met when she was in high school. No, no, college. I'm sorry. College. And she came down here and a dear friend between us asked, hey, you know, there's a friend of mine coming down there to TSU. And can you just love on her? I'm like, what you want me to do with her? I mean, I don't know her. But man, what a gift she has been. She walked into our lives and never left. She was also a part of that journey of them three knuckleheads I had to raise. They love her just the same as a mom. And she has her own four beautiful children. But y'all, she is powerful. One of the things we also talked about yesterday was taking back the narrative of this weekend and today. A lot of people have lost their moms and sometimes they want to hide and stay away from the celebration because it hurts too much. But instead of that, I encourage you to step out and speak about her. Remember her. Let her know. I mean, we're letting you know she's remembered. We honor her because we honor you. And Sean and I was able to know each other while her mom was alive. And I got to know Mama Jo and and just spent time with her. And I mean, love her like a sister. And so as she goes through that, we decided that we was just going to enjoy it. Every time the Mother's Day weekend come around, we were like, Lord, I remember when Joe did this. And I remember when Joe did that. Because we can take that back. And we can celebrate her. And I'm telling you, she is to be celebrated because the woman that's about to take this stage is a product of Joe. And she is a powerful, wonderful young woman. And I love her dearly. Please put your hands together for Mashaun Gray. Come on. Well, good morning. Is it still morning? Oh, three minutes past. Good afternoon. Um, that was a wonderful introduction. Thank you. Um, like Debbie said, I just want to second what she said and honor all of the mothers, the natural mothers and foster mothers, the adoptive mothers and spiritual mothers, um, the mothers the friends, the sisters and neighbors that have stood in as mothers, the mothers who have buried children. I honor you today. You are heroes. 
We treasure you in this house and in the kingdom of God. So I salute you all today, um, Pastor James and Debbie. Uh, if I tried to tell all of you how much they meant to me, I would cry buckets of tears. Um, Debbie told the story you know, pretty quickly, but I came, I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. I came to Nashville uh, to go to Tennessee State and woo woo. And um, I was an 18 year old college student that loved Jesus, but was confused and far away from home. And they have loved me for 20 years and been as close as family. So I love you both so much. Debbie, happy Mother's Day. To you, um, my husband Justin and I have been married for almost 14 years. Um, it's great, great. Uh, if you know him, I don't have to tell you how amazing he is. He is, he is my rock. He is everything that I'm not. And I'm so thankful for his steady, I call him Steady Freddy, because he is steady all the time. And if you know me, you know that I am not. So I am thankful for him. Uh, we have four children. Uh, Justin is our oldest, Joshua, Chloe, and uh, Joshua and Chloe are twins. They're nine, and Chelsea is seven. Um, she's our youngest. They're the greatest. They are my joy. I love being their mom. They're here, not in children's church today. They're here on the front row. So... Yeah, I, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look out this way, because if I come here, I'm gonna I'm gonna start disciplining and being mom and not and not talking to you guys. But I love them. I treasure them. They asked me the other day what I wanted for Mother's Day, and I told them that I wanted them to keep my house clean for 24 hours. <laughs> and we're like, Mom, that's not a present. Well, it's not a good gift. So. I'm sure they got me great things, but their rooms are a mess. So it's fine, though. I'm going to love it. You guys are awesome. You're the greatest kids ever. Uh, let's pray, and we're going to get right into the word. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for your word. God, would you uh, open the eyes of our understanding to hear from you today? In Jesus' name, amen. Would you open your Bibles today to John, the 19th chapter, and we're going to hop on down to the 25th verse. Start reading. Okay. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother... And the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Now, the book of John includes what people re refer to as the seven statements of Jesus on the cross. There were literally seven statements that Jesus made in the six hours that he hung on the cross being crucified. And nobody wastes their dying words. And Jesus was no exception. The first statement he made in Luke in the 23rd chapter, 
when Jesus is praying for the Roman soldiers uh, that were crucifying him, and he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And just a few verses down, also in Luke, the 23rd chapter, um, it tells how Jesus is being crucified between two criminals. And one of the criminals uh, denied Jesus till his, till his last breath, rejected him, ridiculed him until the very end. The other one, however, recognized Jesus' righteousness. And Jesus said to him, today, you will be with me in paradise. The portion of scripture that we read in John was the third statement that Jesus made on the cross, and it was directed to his mother and to his disciple, John. Now, I'll be honest with you, I've never paid very much attention to this particular statement that Jesus made. You know, there's nothing insignificant about the word, but this particular uh, phrase, it just didn't seem to carry the same weight as some of the other things that Jesus said on the cross. I mean, when you compare it to things like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or Jesus' final declaration of, it is finished. I mean, those seem like things that you really want to pay attention to and figure out what Jesus was doing. But this one, not so much for me. But there is something happening in this exchange between these three people that is absolutely significant. And, what, and this is not uh, a typical Mother's Day message because I believe that whether you came in here today and you are a mother or you are celebrating a mother or you snuck in the back door and you didn't even remember until you got here that it was Mother's Day, there is something important in these three verses that are, important, that are significant for all of us. I want to draw your attention first to Jesus on the cross. The first three words in verse 26 are my favorite. It says, when Jesus saw. In order for us to understand the significance of those three words, we have to first understand the significance of the moment. What is happening at this moment? Well, at this moment, what is happening is the greatest display of love that the world has ever seen or experienced in all of human history. Jesus is paying for the penalty of the sin of the whole world. He is paying the penalty for my sin and for yours. Now, the physical cost of Jesus' sacrifice was one of the most gruesome and awful that any person has ever endured. Before Jesus ever even made it to the cross, he was arrested, he was blindfolded, he was beaten, stripped, and whipped. He was humiliated, he was mocked, and he was brutalized for the half-mile walk to the hill at Golgotha where he would be crucified, all while carrying his own cross. At one point, his human body, so bloodied and broken, he couldn't even finish carrying his cross. A man, Simon of Cyrene, was ordered to come and help Jesus carry the cross the rest of the way up the hill. 
His accusers took a thorn bush and they fashioned it into a crown and they crushed it down on Jesus' head. When he gets to the top of the crucifixion hill, the soldiers take spikes and they drive them through his wrists and they drive him through, them through his feet. They hoist the cross upright so that all of Jesus' weight is being held by the spikes in his wrists and in his feet. What's happening here is the excruciating physical cost of your sin and my sin. As a matter of fact, the word excruciating comes from the Latin word that means to crucify. Maybe not what some of you were expecting for a Mother's Day message, fair enough, but hang on, we are going somewhere. As Jesus' life hung in the balance for the sin of humanity, the Bible says that he saw his mother and the disciple that he loved. The pain and the humiliation that he was enduring was not enough to distract him from paying attention to and noticing two of the closest people in his life. Jesus saw. Have you ever thought about the circumstances of your own life and thought, Jesus certainly has way better things to do, way more important things to do than worry about me and my things. I have. And I think sometimes when I say that, I think I'm doing Jesus a favor. Like, I feel like it's noble, like I'm letting him off the hook. Jesus, you attend to those things that really matter. You take care of the sick. You take care of the poor. You hold the world together. You do all the meaningful things. I'll be fine. You don't have to worry about me. Anybody else have a myopic, small view of Christ's love and care for you like I do sometimes? My friends, Jesus hung on the cross and noticed and thought of the loneliness of his mother and his friend. And he notices you. It is bad practice and it is so damaging for our souls to project our very finite and limited nature on our infinite savior. We aren't good at multitasking, so Jesus probably isn't that good either. We aren't good at prioritizing things, so you know what, I'm gonna do Jesus a favor. He's probably not that good at it, so I won't even, I won't even bother him. We make him so small. But he is big, and he is powerful, and he is capable. And if you have ever wondered if Jesus cares about your personal needs, these three words, when Jesus saw, should serve as a powerful reminder to you of the way that your heavenly father thinks about you. He takes the time as he is shedding his blood for the sin of the world to care for his mother. And while Jesus is on the cross, bloody and broken, meeting the most significant need of the universe, he wasn't too busy and he was not too distracted to see his mother and to see John. 
And today, Jesus is still busy taking care of the affairs of the world, holding together the corners of the universe, and he is also busy seeing to and taking care of everything that is important to you. He is never too busy or too distracted to see you. I invite you today, my friends, to cast your cares on him because he really, really does care for you. The second thing that I want you to notice in this passage of scripture is Mary by the cross. By this time in Jesus' life, most scholars agree that um, Jesus' father, Joseph, has died and Mary is a widow. She would have been somewhere in her 40s. And as a woman like myself who is nearing 40, I think that things are just getting started when we turn 40. Yeah, but not in the ancient world, not in Jesus' time. At 40, in her 40s, Mary would have been considered an older woman. And worse, she would have been considered an older widow. In the ancient world, widows didn't have it easy. For the most part, they were dependent on the care of an older, of, of a male relative, specifically of their sons. Now, the scholarship about this next point can be debated denominationally and, you know, people, scholars can, can get into debate a dozen different ways about this. But by and large, most people agree that Jesus had brothers. He had other siblings. But for some reason, when Jesus is leaving his mother, he doesn't call for one of his brothers to come take care of their mother. He calls for John. Why? Why did he say this to John? Maybe a matter of proximity? Maybe the other brothers were farther away? John was the closest? I don't don't think so. I think it was something much bigger than that. We know from the third chapter of John that Jesus' brothers were not believers. And I think that Jesus had this discussion with Mary and with John at the cross because he was broadening Mary's definition of this word family. The first time we saw Jesus redefine this word family was in the book of Mark towards the beginning um, of Jesus' ministry. Jesus, in the third chapter of Mark, Jesus was doing what he does. He was healing the sick. He was speaking in the synagogues. Demons were coming out of people at the sight of Jesus. The crowds were following him everywhere. The crowds were pressing in on Jesus. And at one point, Jesus had to make sure that the disciples were ready with the, with the getaway boat because he was concerned that the, that the crowds were going to physically crush him. He was like a rock star. Jesus was like a modern-day celebrity. But word got back to his family about what Jesus had going on and the stuff that he was doing, and they thought he had lost his mind. They thought he had gone completely mad. So Mary, like any good mother would, if she thought her child had lost his mind, made the 20 to 30-mile trip up from Nazareth where she lived to Capernaum where Jesus was ministering. 
with the intention of bringing her son back home. Enough was enough. And we pick this up in Mark, the third chapter and the 31st verse. And it says, and his mother, speaking of Jesus, obviously, and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus establishes a new idea of family that is not necessarily determined by blood, but is determined by a shared commitment to the will of God. In Christ, we have a new family, certainly not to the exclusion uh, of our natural families, but the idea of what it means to be family is expanding here at the cross. Now, I don't think that anyone will dispute that there is no pain that pierces quite as deep as the pain of losing a child. So there is no doubt, there is no doubt that in this moment, Mary is suffering. She stood helplessly and she watched her son be beaten beyond recognition. She heard the sneers and the ridicule. She watched the blood trickled down the head of the boy that she raised. She watched in horror as they drove nails through the hands that she held. And I don't care how old our kids get, they always feel like our babies. There is no doubt that she was suffering. My mother used to say to me when I was sick as a child and even I mean, I wasn't a sickly child, but just when I got sick when I was a child, and even as an adult, she would say, if I could be sick for you, I would. And there is not one of us that would not gladly trade places with our child if we thought that they were suffering. But Mary couldn't help him. Because Mary, like every other person on earth, like you and I, was in need of redemption. She is at the cross watching her own son die for her sin. And in those moments, Mary is saying goodbye to her son, but she is gaining a savior. That's good. And Jesus is telling her that in this new family of believers, she isn't actually going to be without a son because John is her son. And he reminds her that he, he's leaving, but she's not alone. Though John was not born from her womb, he is completely connected to her by the blood of Jesus. This is not fake family. This is not substitute family. This is family. Y'all, the church of God, the family of God is the living legacy of the Lord. This family is literally the hope of the world because God chose 
One way that the whole world would come to know about this Jesus. And it is you and I in this corporate body with the spirit of the living God on the inside of us changing the world. We are family. Thank you, Jesus. The last third statement of Jesus on the cross was directed to John near the cross. Verse 27 says, then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. According to the scripture, John was the disciple that Jesus loved. We'd be safe to say that John was the closest of close uh, to Jesus. But in Matthew 26, when Jesus was arrested, the Bible says that the disciples disappeared. They, including this disciple John that Jesus loved, left Jesus. They were scandalized and ashamed and afraid. And at crunch time, at cross time, they all capitulated to their own fear and ran away from their teacher and their friend in his time of crisis. Now, I know that all of you in here are too brave and love Jesus too much to be able to identify with John in his weakness, but I know what it is like to be afraid and to be so conflict avoidant that I choose something other than the one that I say I love the most. But now, John is back. He is back and he is watching the friend that he abandoned be brutalized and crucified. How he must have wished that he didn't leave Jesus that day he got arrested. The grief and the pain of losing his friend on top of the regret he must have felt. But near that cross, John didn't find a dying Jesus with words of rebuke. John didn't find Jesus saying, nice of you to show back up, John. Where have you been? Thanks a lot for leaving me back there. John didn't find shame or a condemning, finger-pointing Jesus. He found mission, and he found responsibility. John found purpose in his pain. Jesus was asking his friend to do what feels so unnatural to all of us when we are in pain and shame and embarrassed. He is asking John to think about someone other than himself, to focus on someone that's not him. Take care of my mother, Jesus asked him. Now, John's pain is real. My pain is real. Your pain is real. And I'm not suggesting that you just pack it in and pretend like it doesn't exist. But the truth is that pain is unwelcomed, and it is unpleasant, my friends, but it is also 
unavoidable. Our pain and our feelings of regret and embarrassment are formative and they shape us. And even in your pain and your regret about what you wish you would have done and all the details that you have not quite yet figured out, like John, Jesus will give you a mission that's bigger than yourself. Because he does not just see us. Which, let's be honest, to be seen by the maker of the universe, that is pretty amazing. But he doesn't just see us. Then he saves us. Like, okay, Jesus, you, you're, you're laying it on thick. Now, certainly, we don't deserve to be seen and saved. But then, he doesn't just see us. He doesn't just save us. Then he sets us on mission. God has a future for you and it is good and it is full of purpose and it is full of mission and it is far more than you ever thought you were capable of doing. Now, I, like you, have experienced the super high highs of life um, and some soul-crushing lows. And sure, there have been way more highs than lows uh, in my life. But things have happened to me in my life that made me sure that Jesus must have been asleep at the wheel. He must have forgotten. There was no way he could have known what I was going through and allow me to go through that. Mother's Day is one of those days that I, one of the days that I experienced that high and low of emotion. I have experienced the overwhelming joy of motherhood and childbirth. I also, as Debbie said, lost my mother very suddenly, very tragically in March of 2012 when I was seven months pregnant with my twins. I was devastated, heartbroken, heartbroken when she died. And I know that if we compared stories around this room, there are stories of joy and celebration and excitement, but also of hurt and pain and trauma in varying, varying degrees. But I need you to know today that whether you came in here full of joy or completely down, Jesus sees you. And he cares so deeply about the things that burden you. He has carefully placed us in a family, a global family of brothers and sisters and mothers brought together by the declaration that Jesus is Lord. Do you believe this afternoon, really believe that even when you walk away from him, when you return to him in submission and obedience, even before you fix all the things that you think that you don't have right, all of the things that you think disqualify you, Jesus will set you on mission for his kingdom because it is just absolutely what he does and who he is. 
As we close today, I believe that the Lord is going to speak to you individually. I think that there are friends in here that are carrying burdens that Jesus has asked you already to give to him. You think small of yourself. You think small of the God that you serve. There are people because of, you know, social media and differences politically and all, all kinds of tearing. We've, we've misinterpreted what it means to be family. I've seen over the last year some of the most awful, hurtful things said to people in, in not this family in particular, but in the big C church family, in God's church. We have to do better. There are things, there are people in here that have dreams and visions, things that you know that God has asked you to do. Things that you know you couldn't have thought up on your own, but it is only a loving father that would give you those instructions. And I encourage you today to submit and surrender to the mission of God in your life. And I want you to just quiet yourself for just a moment. These were the questions that I asked myself as I prepared for this. And just in a moment of reflection, allow the Lord to speak to you. Where have you made God small? What burdens are you carrying that he wants you to surrender? Where have you rejected his definition of family? How have you allowed your pain, your mistakes, to define you rather than accepting the call of Jesus with an open hand? Where have you thought about yourself and not the mission that God has called you to? Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for the deep abiding love that you have for us. Thank you for your sacrifice, for your shed blood, for our sin. God, I thank you for the honor of casting our cares on you. Thank you, Jesus, for caring for us. I thank you today, Jesus, for your church, not just this church, Bethel, but for your big C church. Lord, help us, your bride and your body, to represent you well, to love the way that you love, to serve the way that you serve. Lord, would you help us to be salt and light to a dying world? And Lord, please today, would you fan into flame every gift in this place? Our desire is to be instruments that you can use. Fill us afresh, Lord, with your spirit that leads and guides and directs us into your truth. Instruct us, Lord, and reveal to us the people and the things that you have called us to. 
and give us hearts to obey wherever you lead us. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you guys. Happy Mother's Day.